0: Here on the ground, change happens fast. Problems feel frequent and urgent. It's loud, and anxiety runs high. From a satellite view, the Earth looks the same as it did thousands of years ago. We've been here before. Let's learn from our past and shoot for a better future.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of A Satellite View. I'm Todd Mickelson, your host, speaking at you from Sunday, November 12th, 2023 in the Space and Time Continuum. Today, going back and following history to what's going on now, we're going to start back in 1949 when a three-year-old Donald Trump was getting $200,000 a year from his father's empire. This would rise to about $5 million by the time he was in his 40s and 50s. Aside from that, we're going to go now to
0: 1975. I got a small loan of $1 million from my father, and I built an amazing company, one of the, the, the likes of which has never been seen, the best company ever. Some say, some say in the universe. Some some. Uh, I and mean, people say people tell me a lot of people tell me they think my business is the best in the universe I tell you now
1: I want to point out that most people would not call a million dollar loan from their father small especially considering that in 1975 1 million dollars is like 4 million dollars in today's money so if your father gave you a loan for 4 million dollars would you call it small That's how spoiled this little boy was. By the 80s, New Jersey had just uh, legalized gambling. So
0: Donald Trump thinks, Atlantic City, Atlantic City is where we should go with my dad's um, millions of dollars that I now have acquired
1: from him. So he acquires three casinos that by 1991 could not pay their debts. The Taj Mahal declared bankruptcy in 1991 the Trump Plaza, and the Trump Castle, both in 1992. Lenders restructured the debt rather than liquidate, and Trump put his casino holdings into a new company that went bankrupt in 2004. The company that emerged from that restructuring declared bankruptcy in 2009. (laughs) And there is one more in there. uh, The Trump's sixth bankruptcy, we'll call it now is the Plaza Hotel, which he bought in 1988. It went bankrupt by 1992. This in spite of the fact that his father bought $3.5 million in gambling chips at one of these casinos or a few of them, but he never used the chips. So basically, it's like another loan for $3.5 million to try and keep them afloat. Of course, nothing stays afloat when Donald Trump is the captain. He squandered billions. (laughs) billions. Because <laughs> he is a horrible businessman. He is a horrible
0: businessman. He doesn't know the art of the deal. I'm the, one who made the, I'm the one who knows it the best. Many people tell me. No, no, you don't.
1: We even found out last week in the, the fraud case in New York, there was an email that Ivanka wrote to uh, Weisselberg. And Ivanka said, oh, we really want to buy this Dorel golf course, but my dad doesn't have enough money to get the loan. So Weiselberg just makes up a number of Donald Trump's worth and the worth of some of his holdings. For instance, the penthouse in Trump Tower in New York, that is about 11,000 square feet. Weiselberg and Donald Trump would say it was 33,000 square feet. So it's not just kind of like, Oh okay I made a mistake I said 13,000 it's really 11. No, I said 33,000 and it's really 11. So when Ivanka goes to Weiselberg and says, "Oh we really want to buy this Dorel golf course in Florida, but my dad doesn't have enough money." Weiselberg and, and the powers that be, it sounds like Eric and Donald Jr knew about this as well, but they would lie on the forms that they would then give to the accountants and then the accountants would give those to the banks, and the bank would give them a loan because they were lied to about the numbers. That's highly illegal. They get the loan and
0: then uh, Ivanka shows it to Trump and he's like, oh, we're buying Daryl? Who's Daryl? No, it's Daryl, sir. It's called Dur- Dural Golf Course. It's a golf course. It's called Dural. Daryl? It says Daryl here on the, on the page. No, it said, that says, it's pronounced Daryl. Okay, whatever. I don't care if you buy Daryl, buy any, anybody you want. I don't care. Also
1: going on now in uh, the year 1998, somebody by the name of Justin Kennedy starts at Deutsche Bank. And he becomes friends with some of the Trumps. He's hanging out with Don Jr. He thinks it's super cool to be hanging out with the Trumps in New York. And he thinks
0: of that, yeah, I'm...
1: You're, so you're saying your father can't get a loan anywhere. I can maybe do something at Deutsche Bank. You know, we, we can talk about it. So a lot of uh, things start happening between Trump and Deutsche Bank. And the FBI starts investigating it. In 2019, a guy by the name of Valentin Brockschmidt handed over hundreds of documents to the FBI while they were investigating ties between Deutsche Bank and Donald Trump. Valentin Brocksmit was found dead of a gunshot wound in a car, apparently. In 2019. Now let's go back to January 2014. Valentin's father, Bill Brockschmidt, he was working at Deutsche Bank. He's the one who saved all these documents that were then handed over by his son to the FBI. Bill Brockschmidt, his father, the guy who produced these documents, hung himself in January of 2014. Deutsche Bank regulatory lawyer who was working with some fraud that they were doing in the UK, his name is Cologero Gambino. In October of 2014, he killed himself. The Deutsche Bank executive Tom Bowers, who controversially signed off billions to Trump before he became president, killed himself in November 2019. Deutsche Bank was telling him, do not give Donald Trump loans. He injures us. A lot of people were uh, hurt. A lot of other Deutsche Bank clients were hurt when Donald Trump ran all these businesses into the ground. Do you hurt other people around you when you're a crappy businessman and you're doing illegal things. So what is that? One, two, three, four suicides tied to Deutsche Bank. And now let's go back to that name I was talking about from 1998. Justin Kennedy. His father is Justice Kennedy. So let's talk about some goings-on then starting in 2017. Mitch McConnell did not allow Barack Obama's pick for a Supreme Court justice to be brought into the uh, Senate for approval, hoping that a Republican would become president, and one did. I'm not saying he won the election, but he did become president. So in 2017, the same guy we were talking about in 1949, Donald Trump, I'm the guy, I'm the guy, he appoints Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. In 2018, he has a little talk with Justice Kennedy, the father of the guy who's palling around with Trump's family and giving him loans when nobody else would give him loans. There's even a video of Trump and Justice Kennedy walking down a hallway in the White House. Trump says something to him, and Justice Kennedy looks at Trump like he's in shock. Quick look over at him like, what? And then Trump pulls him into a
0: room. We're going to have a little meeting. I know I'm not sounding as much like Trump as I am sounding like the Don. I'm not the Don Trump. I'm the Don from the whole colonial family. And I think this would be a good time for you to step down. I would hate for something bad to happen if you don't step down. You know, your son has done a lot of illegal things. Many, many people tell me it would be maybe a good time for you to step down.
1: So then he puts Brett Kavanaugh in his place. During the hearings for Brett Kavanaugh, a woman by the name of Christine Blasey Ford talks about his rapes that he performed when in college. And the Republicans, they attack her. (laughs) She gave, I don't know, I thought it was an extremely convincing testimony. At the hearings, Brett Kavanaugh was almost in tears half the time. He talked about how much he loved beer, and he can't really remember raping people because he loved beer so much. And he gets approved to the United States Supreme Court. I forgot to say about Neil Gorsuch, both Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, when asked whether they would overturn Roe v. Wade, they said, I, I don't believe in changing precedent. That's their way of kind of saying, no, I wouldn't. We come to 2020, a few weeks before the election, when McConnell said, oh, 18 months is too close to an election to put a Supreme Court justice on the court. But now it's like six weeks before the election, and he has no problem with it. Amy Comey Barrett, she also says, I would not overturn precedent when asked if she would overturn Roe v. Wade. So let's go to 2022. They overturned Roe v. Wade. So this is proof that they committed perjury. Their confirmation trials to the Senate, they committed perjury, all three of them, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Comey Barrett, all three appointed by Donald Trump. Now, let's talk about what happened since then. Uh, Special election happens in August. The Republicans are trying to sneak a special election in when everybody's trying to take vacations and stuff. And Kansas, being one of the most red states, they put a ballot measure up that would have paved the way for abortion to be banned in the state. The Kansas voters knocked it down in a special election in August. And it wasn't like a 51 to 49 vote, 59 percent of the vote went against the Republicans' measure in Kansas. Abortion was also viewed as a defining issue in a New York special election in August of 2022, where Democrat Pat Ryan eked out a narrow win in his congressional race after campaigning on his support for abortion rights. The 2022 midterms Voters in California, Kentucky, Michigan, Montana, and Vermont all voted in favor of abortion rights on ballot measures in the 2022 midterms. California, Michigan, and Vermont's measures explicitly preserved abortion access. Democrats won a key gubernatorial race in Arizona, also in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, ensuring they could veto any abortion bans based on their state's GOP-controlled legislatures. And also later in 2023 in Wisconsin, They turned the Supreme Court from red to blue, the state Supreme Court from red to blue. And another special election that happened, I believe it was in August, where the Republicans were trying to do everything they could to block voter turnout. The woman who was, it's not really supposed to be a partisan thing, but she was obviously a Democrat and she was talking about women's reproductive rights. So, even that election was based, you know, as far as the voters were concerned, it was based on women's reproductive rights. Republicans also failed to get legislative supermajorities in North Carolina and Wisconsin that would have allowed them to override governor's vetoes and ban abortion. Now, let's go to January 2023, where Governor Tim Walls signs Minnesota's Protect Reproductive Options Act into law. The act specifically prohibits local governments from restricting a person's ability to freely exercise their fundamental right to reproductive health care. It also protects individuals who travel into Minnesota for reproductive health care from elsewhere and individuals and entities that provide reproductive health care to out of state travelers. It was already legal in Minnesota, but it was protected even more by the legislature in Minnesota in January of 2023. And there were further measures to protect reproductive rights in other states. Let's go now to this last Tuesday. The most direct win for abortion rights on Tuesday was in Ohio where voters passed a ballot measure that explicitly protected reproductive rights, ensuring abortions legality in a state as its Supreme Court weighed, reinstating a six week ban. Democrats in Virginia also took control of both legislative chambers after Republicans campaigned on enacting a 15-week abortion ban, attempting to paint the proposal as a less extreme limit rather than a ban. Also Kentucky, Governor Andy Beshear wins re-election against Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who previously took his fight to defend the state's abortion ban to the Supreme Court after Bashir campaigned on abortion and blasted the lack of exceptions in the state's abortion ban. All of these elections were considered to be centered on reproductive rights. I would also add that in Ohio, over the summer, people did not go on vacation. They stayed in the state protecting abortion rights and reproductive rights in their constitution, and the Republicans tried to stop that by having a special election in the summer, when they thought nobody would turn out, that would have disallowed that measure to be put on the ballot. Voters turned out overwhelmingly in the summer to make sure the measure would be put on the ballot. The measure was put on the ballot, and then they voted. I believe it won by 13 points. So again, not 51 to 49. Let's take a short break and come back and talk about some fun and crazy stuff simultaneously going on with this election this week. What a week! when we come back on a satellite view. On a satellite view, and we were just talking about the elections on Tuesday night. Another thing that happened on Tuesday night here in Minnesota, in our school district where my wife's on the school board, she won her re election, by the way. And the two measures that we had on the ballot for uh, funding for schools, school referendums, both of them passed. One of them was really big, and people were a little worried that it might not pass, but we had a group of young people, parents, putting on a really, really incredible campaign. They did everything perfectly right, and both measures passed. So we're very excited about that here in uh, West Tonka, right by Lake Minnetonka. A lot of people don't realize, I don't know if I've ever told this story on this podcast, but Tonka Toys? Tonka Toys began in Mound, Minnesota, right on the lake. The factory is still there, although Tonka moved to their their operations to Mexico in 1981, sadly. But Tonka Toys was named after Lake Minnetonka. And if you remember, the logo had waves on it, water waves. That's Lake Minnetonka, Tonka Toys. They built a new building in 1968, and both of my grandmas worked in one of the two buildings. And now my business is in that new building, is in one of the old Tonka Toys buildings, the newest of them. Anyway, kind of an interesting story there, Uh, having to do with nothing that we usually talk about. Anyway, so I, I talked before the break about the Ohio measure that got on their ballot and the voters overwhelmingly voted in favor of protecting women's reproductive rights, including abortion rights, on their constitution. When you amend a constitution, it's really hard to change that. The voters of Ohio voted, and like I said, this won by 13 points. It wasn't close. They overwhelmingly voted in favor of this measure. And then what do the Ohio House Republicans do? Members of the Ohio General Assembly issued a statement Wednesday, the next day, in response to the passage of Issue 1, that's the measure I'm talking about, during Tuesday's general election. And here is the statement. Unlike the language of this proposal, we want to be very clear. The vague, intentionally deceptive language of Issue 1 does not clarify the issues of life, parental consent, informed consent, or viability including partial birth abortion but rather introduces more confusion this initiative failed to mention a single specific law we will do everything in our power to prevent our laws from being removed based upon perception of intent we were elected to protect the most vulnerable in our state and we will continue that work now these uh, something like um, it looks like about 25 representatives signed off on this. And at the bottom, it says in very small writing, the Ohio House Pro-Life Caucus was founded in 2021 during the 134th General Assembly. It is composed of members from across the state of Ohio who are committed to protecting the pre-born. And pre-born is very similar to something mentioned by a, a Heritage Foundation project that is very scary, where they're saying instead of talking pro-life or anti-abortion, we're going to say we're protecting the rights of the unborn. And these Ohio Republicans are saying we're protecting the rights of the pre-born. Republicans in Ohio think that they can go against uh, the vast majority of their voters. And also in Michigan, GOP lawmakers are suing Michigan to block state constitutional amendment to reproductive rights. A ballot initiative approved by voters arguing voters can't create new rights. That's what Republicans think. Voters cannot create new rights. No, only Republicans can take away rights, which is what they're doing. Republicans are taking away our freedoms. Rick Santorum said, I'll find the clip and play it. He said, democracy is not the way to run this country.
0: You put very sexy things like abortion and marijuana on the ballot, and a lot of young people come out and vote. It was a secret sauce for disaster in Ohio. I don't know what they were thinking, yeah. but um, that's why I'm, I, I thank goodness that most of the states in this country don't allow you to put everything on the ballot because right. pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So-
1: that's where Republicans are, and they're saying it out loud. They're not afraid to go against the voters. Michigan GOP blatantly going against what their voters voted for because Michigan also voted for an amendment to protect reproductive rights. Ohio Republicans blatantly going against the vast overwhelming majority of their voters. And they're not even trying to cover it up. They're not even trying to sneak their cheating anymore. That's where we're at. And that's why 2024 must prevent Republicans from having power anymore. What's going on in the House right now with uh, MAGA Mike Johnson, who is a, I don't know, I think he's a creepy dude. He comes off as being real nice when you just hear him talk. He's just like, hey, <laughs> shucks. But uh, he's, he wants to criminalize homosexuality. If he had his way, he voted at least three times for a national ban on abortion. He wants to ban contraception. he has his seventeen year old son as his partner in watching each other's porn. really weird. they you know he says, yeah we're we monitor each other and and if there's any questionable porn either of us is watching, we will you know make sure that uh I don't know what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if you discover plus your seventeen year old son is looking at porn somewhere else if he's looking at... I mean, he's probably is looking at... He's a 17-year-old boy. Anyway, he's going to find a way to not use the phone that you're watching him on. And by the way, this software called Covenant Eyes. Weird. Weird. Just weird. Of course, it's just a scam to try and make money off of dumb Christian idiots like this guy. And he's basically saying... it. If he goes and watches any porn, his son will then see what he's watching. I don't know. It's creepy. It's very creepy. It's, uh, these Christians who get in office and talk too much about their Christianity and how America should be ran as Christo, Christo Judeo, whatever they call it. They had to include Judeo because they hate the Jewish religion. But... They know that they, you know, Israel is our ally, so they can't hate the Jews. So they add Judeo, Christian Judeo, whatever. That's not America. That goes against the First Amendment, by the way. But these people who talk too much about all that stuff end up kind of being whatever it is they're against. All these guys who get in to try and take away the rights of gay people— quite often end up get caught in a car with another gay guy or something. So they hate themselves. They themselves are gay. And their church tells them that's bad. So then they get elected to try and outlaw being gay. I'm not saying that Maga Mike is gay, but
0: there are rumors. Many people say, many people are talking about you, Mike. So he's the leader
1: of the house, because he just got voted in as a House Speaker by the Republicans when they ousted Kevin McCarthy, of course, in September. And the reason he was ousted was because he didn't let the government shut down. So they passed a 45-day measure. Those 45 days are clicking off, clicking off. They're, we're down to less than a week now. And I'm going to read to you some writings of Representative from Illinois, Sean Caston. Here's a very interesting thread that he writes. It's hard to explain how dysfunctional the House GOP is and the degree to which their own internal divisions are superseding every normal function of government, but I'm going to try with a short story about this week in the House. First, we operate on a end of September fiscal year, but the McCarthy-led House couldn't agree on how to fund prior to that. They tried to just say, cut everything by 30%. That didn't pass. So they said... Let's just fund at current levels for 45 days. Let's not change anything. That cost McCarthy his job. Now, for context, when Dems had the majority, we got all our appropriations done by August 1st so the Senate could finalize and POTUS could sign. House GOP still hasn't done that. Also, you may recall this summer, the House GOP threatened to default on the U.S. debt unless we agreed to future spending rules. A deal was struck that passed the House and was signed into law to do so. The 30% cut was not consistent with that law, a.k.a. it was illegal. (laughs) Uh, By contrast, the straight 45-day continuing resolution that cost McCarthy his job was legal in the sense that it did not violate the June agreement made with everybody and bought us time to do so. He's saying here that the House totally reneged on their promises they made in June. Obeying the law was a red line for the House GOP, so they fired McCarthy. This is I'm reading from Sean Caston now. They then used the first 20 days of that 45-day period to fight over a new speaker. Should we pick someone who hates gay people, fought to overturn the election, or creeps on his son's porn? It took a while, but the House GOP finally said, yes to all three. (laughs) That leaves a lot of work to do by a party that doesn't like laws, is at war with itself, and an inexperienced leadership team. But off we went. Last week, we were supposed to vote on transportation funding. Republicans couldn't agree, so Johnson never brought the bill to the floor. This isn't just a Johnson problem, by the way. McCarthy previously chose not to bring an agriculture funding package to the floor because Republicans couldn't agree. Still don't have a path on that one. This week, we were supposed to vote on a funding package for our financial services and general government. Minutes before we were supposed to vote on that yesterday, they pulled it on account of internal squabbles as well. Note. All of these bills violate the law we passed last June. But having discovered that Democrats won't vote to break the law, they are trying to pass these with all Republican votes. But they're big mad at each other, so even that's not possible. Now, to the question on the mind of every libertarian troll who's read this far. If government is going to run out of money and you aren't even voting on bills to fund it, Why are you wasting my taxpayers' dollars in D.C.? Well, here's what they did bring up for votes this week. A bill to prevent the government from using the word Latinx. A bill to cut White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre's salary to $1. A bill to defund the Office of Gun Violence Prevention. A bill to eliminate the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. A bill to cut... SEC Chair Gary Gensler's salary to $1, a bill to defund the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, a bill to prevent the government from developing greenhouse gas disclosure rules, a bill to eliminate 50% of the budget for the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Because we don't need that. These things aren't urgent, obviously. They aren't helpful, and they aren't going to become law. Because laws require the Senate and the president's approval. But they keep the idiot wing of the House GOP from turning on their rookie manager and waste 435 people's time on the House floor. This isn't me talking. This is Illinois Representative Sean Caston going back to his writing. And so now, as of his writing, seven days from shutdown, we're now five days from shutdown. Still no path to fund. Still no sign of anyone in the House GOP willing to stand up to their extreme fringe. Still no discernible leadership talent from their new speaker. Right now it's annoying. But in five days, it's disastrous. Because if they can't get their, and he writes, you know, S with uh, two asterisks and a T, which spells out feces. Because they can't get their feces together, eight days from now, soldiers... Air traffic controllers, food safety inspectors, IRS agents, border patrol, all go without pay. Some will be furloughed. Food, heating, housing assistance, every government function, shut down. Please, House GOP, grow up. Stop fighting with your brother and sister in the back seat. Either act like the adults you claim to be or at least have the dignity to go to your room so the adults can babysit your sorry selves. Too much is at stake. Thank you, Representative Sean Kasten, <laughs> for giving us an insight on what it's like to be down on the House floor this last week. Absolutely idiotic. Also, the Trumps on trial. Ivanka this last Wednesday. Donald Trump himself on the witness stand on Monday this last Monday. He was acting like a seven-year-old little spoiled bully boy kid. Just absolutely embarrassing. Donald Trump gave a lot of great performances. He's using more Hitler language. He said, if he becomes president, if if somebody's running against me and they're doing really well, I'm just going to say indict him. And he wants to have a special counsel investigating the whole Biden family because he says
0: you know, Biden doing this, he he let the genie out of the box.
1: <laughs> so he's mixing up a uh, genie out of the bottle and Pandora's box. I don't know. Uh, it just, you know, he's he's like an Archie bunkered kind of idiot. He's losing his mind. You know, Victor Orban, the head of uh, Turkey. And Victor Orban is the head of Hungary. So then later on, he goes... Viktor Orban,
0: a lot of people say he's a great guy. Tells me a lot of things. He's a really great guy. A lot of people say he's a great guy. He runs Hungary, which is, has a border with both Ukraine and Russia, which isn't true. And he's repeated that many times. He has nobody around him who's,
1: who's saying Hungary does not border Russia? And I'll admit that I didn't really know that. I'm not that up on my geography. I almost said geometry. But if I was president for four years, I'm pretty sure that by now I would know that Hungary does not border Russia. And even if I was so dumb that after being president for four years, I did not know Hungary did not border Russia, you think somebody that worked for me would know that and tell me? to stop making an idiot out of myself whenever I get a microphone. No, (laughs) I mean, oh,
0: that's like, I I don't know, hungry turkey. uh, I mean, turkey makes me hungry. What are you going to, I get them mixed up. I'm hungry for turkey. Um, There was also the debate on Wednesday night. It was really,
1: really boring, actually. There wasn't a lot to say. It wasn't super crazy, but... They do not have the right idea. They're having kind of the idea of we need to change our messaging, not our message. They're not understanding that. 85% of Americans want reproductive health care. They want the right to an abortion because abortion is part of reproductive health care. 85% of Americans want it. And that's in polls that are probably leaving out Gen X or Gen Z, and both Gen X and Gen Z. And if it included them, it would probably be a higher number. It would probably be 95%. But Republicans are like, we have to change how we talk about this. Nikki Haley says, let's stop the judgment. Okay. How about we stop fighting against reproductive rights? How about one of you says, you know what? I think it's time for our party to admit that. The vast, overwhelming majority of Americans want reproductive health care protected. So I am announcing tonight that I will, if I become president, I will protect reproductive health care. I will make sure it stays protected. That person would have a chance of winning the presidency. But no, they wouldn't because they would lose their base. Point being, no matter what they say they have already lost the 2024 election for the White House and probably many, many seats in the House and Senate because of this one issue. I keep reminding you of that all the time because I don't want people to get all scared and nervous. We need to keep working. We need to support our... uh, Oh, speaking of that, Kelly Morrison announced she's running for Congress because Dean Phillips announced he's running for president. I have already talked about Dean Phillips. I'm going to try and not talk about him anymore. But my good friend Kelly Morrison, who just got elected into the Minnesota Senate and was hoping to take at least one summer off from campaigning super hard, now all of a sudden she's launching a congressional run, which means she's going to have to start campaigning really hard right now, which she is doing, of course. So support your candidates, even if it's just giving them 20 bucks. And if you can't give them 20 bucks, vote for them. We need to turn out and vote. And if we do, we win. Remember that. Don't be afraid. Don't pay attention to polls right now. They mean nothing. Just make sure that you are registered to vote. And then vote. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm having a blast talking to you and trying to update you helping you be informed hopefully us all together can uh, help each other argue for what is good and against what is bad i hope you enjoyed listening and thank you again we'll talk to you next
0: week Listening to A Satellite View with Todd Mickelson. Go to toddmickelson.com for links and more information.